Hello, everybody. Welcome to Therapy Dog Talk. My name is Sherry. My pup's names are Sunny and Riley. And each week we talk with different therapy dog teams around the world about the impact that they're making in their area. If you're just getting started or you're not sure where to get started, we have a free guide that you can find at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. And we also have a community you can join at community.therapydogtalk.com. I'm really excited to talk to today's guests. They're located in Colorado, and we're going to get a really great insight into the work that they do. So I will get them in here. Hi. 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 How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. Well, for those who don't know you, would you like to introduce us to yourself and your pup? Sure. My name is Symbol. I go by Sumi because sometimes that's a little hard, but Sumi and I live in Colorado, not too far outside of Denver. I am working part-time. I do some marketing for an office that my husband and I have, and then I volunteer the rest of the time while my kids have abandoned me and they go to school. So, and then we've got Bud who, oh, I think he just made a special appearance through the, hi, buddy. This is Bud, a three-year-old English bulldog who has been certified as a therapy animal with Alliance of Therapy Dogs for the past almost a year. So, we have been really enjoying our adventures together, volunteering in the community around Denver. That's awesome. I think that's the first time someone said, my kids abandoned me. <laughs> Just kind of like, you know, we did the pandemic thing and we stayed at home. I was at home with them for a year and a half. And Bud was actually our pandemic puppy. And we had been on lists and lists and lists in the Denver area, Troy, to get a rescue animal. And they were so, I mean, it was a great problem to have. They were super long. But we just couldn't find anybody. And finally, one of the residents that my husband worked with was like, you know, I got my bulldog from this great breeder out in Colorado. And we contacted them and they had puppies. And we decided, like, okay, we'll get a puppy. So he was our pandemic puppy. And I think he got really bored staring at my face all day once the kids went back to school. And I was like, I've got to figure something to do with you, buddy, because you are just, you need, he needed the interaction. He enjoyed it so much of being around the kids and basically being raised with them for only them for almost a year was a really impactful, I think, on his socializing now. I mean, I've seen that happen for him, but it's really funny. My kids are, they're happy to be back at school, but I think Bud sometimes gets a little lonely without them. So did they abandon you or they abandoned him? I think they abandoned both of us, to be okay. honest. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, fine. So funny. Well, how did you end up discovering the role of therapy dogs? Oh, not too long after we got him, I realized that I, I had never had a bulldog before. This is our first bulldog. We've had bully breathe previously. We had a pit bull that we had previously, but he was super trainable and we found that we could do a lot of stuff at home with him. Knowing that sometimes bulldogs have a tendency to lean towards stubborn, I wanted to be able to have some of a guiding hand in helping train him. So we had signed up with some puppy training, like star puppy training through the AKC, and we had done that. That was when he was about six months old. Then the woman who was training us. Her name is Barbara Weiss. She's an amazing dog trainer here in the Denver area. She told me, she's like, you know, he has a great disposition and personality. Did you want to try doing the canine good citizen training? Barbara also has a therapy animal of her own. And I kind of saw what she did with him. I asked her a little bit about it. And she was really great in helping provide the guidance I needed to take the steps to figure out whether or not it was something I really wanted to commit to, but also if it was something we thought the budget could do. It was great because during the Canine Good Citizen test and all of the training that kind of went with it, 
we were able to kind of assess him and really see like he's great with other animals. He's great with people, was always able to focus and listen. Obviously, he's highly treat motivated. He is. He loves his treats. And so we kind of found fun ways to make things fun for him without constantly giving him treats. I tend to like Cheerios for him because they're a little they're a little healthier and a little less. You know, we want to make sure we stay at a healthy weight. And so we kind of got involved in that. And then she was also affiliated with Alliance. And that was something that she kind of steered me towards. And she was like, you know, there's multiple organizations that are, you know, you can be a part of. And this is the one I do. So I kind of looked into it. And that's kind of where our springboard for that was. Okay. Very nice. And how did you know that Budge would really enjoy being a therapy dog? Oh, my gosh. He has never met a single thing he doesn't like. He is such a loving, sweet animal. I found myself realizing that he was better suited for something like this because he just always could tell when one of the kids was upset. He was very emotionally intuitive about those things. He loves going up to people, just spending time with somebody. He's very much an animal that loves strongly and deeply and really wants to be with people all the time. He's just such a happy animal. And I saw that him getting interaction with my children, with friends, with other friends, with pets, and just in just social settings, he was just so happy and relaxed and content. And I was like, how do we keep this going? Because this is obviously great for you. So yeah, so we just kind of was like, let's just dive in the deep end and see how it goes. That's great. And it seems like you really did dive in the deep end and explored several different types of volunteer experiences. Which of those have really stood out to you? I think the one that has really left a really deep impact on us is the hospice care. We've been recently doing some visits with an organization called LumaCare, and they're based here in Colorado as well as Arizona and Texas. And they provide hospice care in various settings. And it's just been something that has been very, very, very monumentally just impactful on both of us. Visiting people who cannot bring their pets into facilities, visiting people who, you know, have spent their entire lives with animals and now they can't have them. To have him be able to do that has been such, such a valuable interaction with those patients and with those people. And it might be limited and it might not necessarily be a long-term engagement, but it is just one of the most powerful hours I've ever spent with a patient or with someone. Yeah. Yeah. How does that work for you, volunteering in hospice situations? I know we were recently in a hospice home, and it's really a wide array of who's interactive and who's not, and who has visitors and who doesn't. So do they sign up for it, or you just kind of see who's engaging or has their door open, or how does that work for you? So I was really fortunate to partner with this organization. They have therapy animals that are also within their organization as well. And so when I met with the coordinator, I specifically told her, I said, you know, Bud is a shape and size of an animal where if somebody is a fall risk, I really don't want to do that. And obviously they would not put patients in those situations either. So they have patients who do in-home care visits. So you would go to like a long-term facility and it's like an apartment mm-hmm. and you just go and are visiting with somebody as if you're having just like an afternoon mixer or something. You're just like hanging out, just talking and having a great social interaction. And for some people, they're a lot more engaged. So I met with a wonderful 96-year-old woman who was just super lively and was still trying to dance when she saw Budge. And it made me realize that like there's just so much that can be had from those interactions. But a lot of it was 
upfront stating those specifications that I needed somebody who wasn't going to be a followers, somebody who could comfortably reach over and pet him. He's not very agile as far as getting up on furniture to be pet. He can't really sit in a lap. So he kind of presents a unique situation because most dogs his size are still able to kind of cuddle or do something, but he is a 65 pound English bulldog who is short. And so we kind of had to work within those physical parameters and we wanted him to be able to interact with those patients and really get something. So we're not often visiting people who are bedridden or people who are not quite as lucid. And so I was fortunate in that I could be able to kind of tailor who we were able to visit and make those experiences good for both the patient and for Budge. Yeah, I love how you really identified those boundaries to really help set yourself and Budge and the patient up for success and to be able to communicate that. I think it's a really beautiful example of how boundaries can be so kind and helpful for everyone. Yeah. And I think it's important in, you know, with working with him, what I've really learned, especially in some of the other volunteer settings we've been in, that setting those boundaries for myself as well as for him has been just very, very important in making sure the outcomes of the visit are positive for everybody. We always have learning experiences. Not everything goes to plan and not everything is smooth, but, you know, everything we kind of seek in stride and try to learn from that. Definitely. Yeah. Is there a story that stands out to you from your experiences that you're able to share? Yeah, I have two. One, which is a story probably where we learned a lot about being a brand new therapy visit for us, a situation that we were in. We're fortunate we volunteer with the UC Health Organization here in Denver. And typically we're at the larger medical campus downtown, which is the Inchitz campus. It's massive. They invited a bunch of the therapy animals within that group who are all there to go visit the Colorado Rapids soccer team. It sounded like such a fun, amazing opportunity. I was like, this is going to be great. It's so different from what we normally do. And it was for mental health awareness. So we were like, let's just go and hang out. Little did I know that Budge, who is almost always just so cool and calm and collected, is really triggered by soccer balls. So he saw the soccer balls and he just he could not calm down. And it was, wow, it was a hot day. And with an English bulldog trying to run after a soccer ball every five minutes, I was like, wow, I have made a huge mistake. He was still so sweet and friendly. And I think once he got that initial idea out of his mind that he's like, well, I'm not allowed to play with the balls. And he was like, okay, fine, I guess I'll the human. But what kind of made me realize I have to set us up for success. I had to accept that as a learning experience and go, okay, well, we're going to do this. But it's funny because that experience aside, I, I realized that he does so much better in a setting where it's a hospital clinic office setting. It's almost like he knows immediately to dial into work mode or, or dog work mode. And it's amazing. And I don't know how many other people experience this with their therapy animals, but he puts on a vest and He's not always a huge fan of initially putting on his vest, but once he puts it on, he's just there. And an amazing experience he had was we were walking through the labor and delivery unit at the hospital. And it's always really fun to go there because people are usually really excited and kind of anticipating something happening. And then you also have moms who are there with long-term monitoring for fetal monitoring. So we can visit with those women who are there and people who are there waiting to have babies. And then I was walking through the labor and delivery unit and I had him with me. We were just about to leave. And this young gentleman stops me and he goes, 
oh my gosh, you have a bulldog. <laughs> That's what he does. Yes. He's like, I need you to come now with me. And I was like, I can't provide any medical service. <laughs> Your life is in labor, but we're in it. I would love to. And he's like, this is going to be the greatest surprise for my wife. And it turns out, I mean, him being a bulldog, anybody who's a University of Georgia fan kind of immediately stops, you know, it's just called Uga, Uga. So you have a lot of Uggas wherever I go. But the young man and his wife were having their first baby and she's a huge University of Georgia Bulldog fan. I brought him in and she was maybe, you know, just getting ready to have labor, going into labor. And she just was like squeal. She wanted to get off the bed. She wanted to come pet him. And I was like, I don't know if that's advisable right now. So I asked the nurses, like, is it okay if I'm in here? They're like, yeah, sure. For as long as she's not in active labor. So as long as that's not happening, we're good. I mean, she was just so thrilled. They started FaceTiming their family members. They're like showing pictures of him and like FaceTiming him with the family members back home in Georgia. And it was just such a fun, memorable experience because the whole family was in there and everybody was so happy about this baby coming. And they kind of took Bud being there as just a sign of good things to come. And I feel like that's going to be a story they tell kids. You know, that kid who was born, like the bulldog is walking the hallway and he just walked right into your room. So I really hope I've never heard back from them, but I really hope the best for them and their baby. The real question is, did they name their baby Budge? You know, honestly, it's a Budge in the middle there somewhere. I would not be offended. I would be just, it would be very awkward. Oh my goodness, I love that. Levi had a question. They were wondering how often you do visits, if it's once a week or a couple times a month, what that frequency kind of looks like for you. We absolutely try to do at least once a week. I'm really fortunate that with all the organizations I work with, it's pretty much I can go whenever I'm free. So I just plot out the months based on we have three small children at home. So based on their schedules, based on my schedule with work and my husband's schedule. So usually because they're at school, I have a good chunk of time where I can kind of manage what I need to do on the computer and then saying, you know what, I've got four or five hours here and I'm just going to do that. So we're fortunate that we can go at least once a week. Yeah. Are any of your kids interested in becoming a junior healer when they reach the right age? My daughter, I think, already believes herself to be one. A lot of the times when I'm out with him, she wants to hold his leash and walk him. And I have to remind her that he outweighs her probably <laughs> a little bit. But he's such a great animal. And I think that he has had such a positive experience on the kids' interactions with animals as well. And I think volunteering with him, they recognize that there's something so important in being of service to your community. and in some way, space, or form, I wanted them to see that, yes, mom works and mom has kids and mom gets curious, but we also want to do something for this community that we live in and for other people. And I think they've recognized the value in being able to volunteer and be a part of a volunteer community. My daughter, she absolutely wants to do something with dogs. She has an allergy, so it's really funny because this poor kid, she has not allergic to budge, but I think she would be so thrilled to be able to do junior handling. So once she's old enough, I'm sure that's something we'd love to get into. That's awesome. Yeah, I know the Alliance of Therapy Dogs definitely supports junior handlers. So yeah. I was curious. Yeah, I think she'd love it. <laughs> we tried to get him to go to school, but in our school district, all of the therapy animals are approved through the sheriff's department. I was interesting. It's interesting. So I don't know if that's something where I'd have to go through the county to get him approved to go to school. But they've asked so many times if he could come to school. Can he come visit? He's part of the Denver Cats airport team, too. So they've handed out all of his cards. I'm pretty sure every kid has a card at school at this point. So it would be great to do that with more visits to school. 
I mean, it's pretty cool to have a pet and that's a trading card. So it was really funny because when they did his photo shoot for the trading card, I was like, oh, this will be interesting with like a real photo shoot setup and a backdrop and everything. And he just sat there and just took gorgeous pictures and his trading card came out and we just could not stop laughing because he's he's just he's such a hater. Like the loved it. People at the airport love taking pictures with him, selfies and all of the things and the card is just so funny. And I did not realize how many people collected the cards. Like I didn't realize they were just yeah. me. And, you know, I rented a card and they're reprinting cards for me. And I find when I go, there's like employees. It's usually employees because they'll have them like posted everywhere yeah. at offices and cubicles. People are like chasing me. To, and Denver is a massive airport. So, you know, I'll be walking and someone's on the little like moving walkway. And they're like, wait wait and they're like running around to come back and get a hold of us and i'm i'm sorry i don't have cards right now and they're like no like, uh, then you're dead no, we don't need this anymore so it doesn't matter yeah. he doesn't have cards i know why would we even come but i mean it's great because the cars are such a funny thing and it's great because so many people you come into contact with and that's a really unique opportunity for a therapy animal they can handle all the noise and activity and everything that's going on the airport's great. I mean, so much socialization, so much interaction with different types of people. And it's just so funny because you see so many things. I don't know how else to explain it. I've seen some things at the airport. <laughs> yeah. The Denver Cats, is that a new wish program? Did it start recently? Or did I don't know. So Cats has been around for quite some time. I believe, I want to say late 2000s. Okay. But they've been around for quite some time, and it's the largest airport therapy animal program in the world. And okay. we have about 87 teams. Okay. So it's been growing, and it's been growing at an amazing rate. And everybody is animal therapy handler teams, and they go there, and it's two hours. What I always like to say is it's 99 dogs, and a cat is also one, because we have one cat on the team as well. So it's a lot of fun. It's a great opportunity. It's a great program. And you have such positive interactions with people having such stress from traveling and canceled flights and just the way that air travel is today. It's such a nice thing to see at the airport. Yeah. I was going to ask if there were any cats and cats, but you already There's <laughs> one cat and her name is Zelly and she's the coolest cat ever. I remember at one event we had where all of the animal therapy teams were circulating and the dogs kept looking at her like, what kind of dog is this? This is so weird. But she kept looking at her like, what dog is this? Like, that's a cat. <laughs> he loves cats, but he just was so confused because she just walks in her own little harness with a vest and sits with people. It's the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I love it. Abby asked what airport we're talking about. It's the Denver Airport, Abby. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you noticed, but Budge isn't behind me, so we're going to have to fix that. Oh my gosh, you're getting one. Next time we're going to budge, you're getting a bunch. <laughs> oh my goodness. So funny. Did anything surprise you along your journey to becoming a therapy dog team? Surprising things. I think I learned a lot about the differences between therapy animals, emotional support animals, and service animals. I think previously and prior to this, I maybe like a lot of people did not realize what the distinctions were. And it became apparent to me that when I was starting to work with him, how there was a good distinction between service animals and therapy animals. And I kind of always thought that they all fell under a similar bubble. So I'm really glad now that I know the difference because it can help other people understand that and learn about it and 
it gives me a better appreciation for the training and the work that really goes into different types of service animals and service requirements for those animals as well. So it's really allowed us to kind of broaden our perspective on what we thought initially all of that was. Yeah. That's great. What advice do you have for someone who's interested in becoming a therapy doc team? Good advice is make sure you're willing to talk to lots of people. You know, I had volunteered in a lot of capacities all through college, all through high school. And once I realized that I had the opportunity to go back and continue to volunteer, I realized how much I really enjoyed that engagement with others and having my heart and my mind open to so many situations and so many things and having an animal that we could kind of mutually support each other in that. And it always sounds funny because my husband was always like, you have a really good relationship with this dog. And I'm like, I don't understand it. We've had pets before. And he was very much an animal that I wanted. We had a connection and I realized that we had this connection and that it was something that when we put it out there, it was something that was very meaningful and it helped us both kind of express our need to be social. I'm a social person. I love talking to people. I would not suggest if you are not social, you don't like having random conversations, that maybe that's not quite it for you. It's a very, you know, interesting thing. And I think also navigating your animal's emotional well-being and their wellness and their physical wellness is something I learned early on with a bulldog. They're not very well known for being particularly healthy. And I think one thing I wanted to do with him was have him be in an environment where it was climate control, where he could get exercise and do things and he wasn't outside struggling in the heat. And he could take a rest or a break if he needed to. People could still engage with him and we could be on our own and it wouldn't be a big deal. So there was a lot of things that I took into account. I think it was the time, the dedication and the mental, emotional capacity to be able to do that with someone. And I do think there's times where we do take breaks because sometimes you just need a break from it. But it's been super rewarding and it's been one of the most wonderful things to do with him together. I think he thinks every time we go out, we're going to volunteer. So I'm like, no, it's the best. Sorry. But I think it's really the social aspect. You have to be okay with having interesting, inane, weird conversations with people sometimes. And especially in a medical setting, like people really want to talk about the things that are going on with them, the things that are bothering them and hurting them. And obviously, I'm not certified as a therapist to speak on anything. So I just want to be there and listen and be a shoulder to cry on if necessary or a hug or just be there for people. And I think that's taught me a lot about human nature and given me a really positive outlook on people in general. Yeah, I love that. Is there anything, I know you kind of hinted at it a little bit, but is there anything you really had to take into account based on him being a bulldog when volunteering? I think the biggest thing was his size. So a lot of places where we visit, especially the hospital, they'll be like, oh, the dog can sit on a couch. And if the patient is able to come sit, you can pet. But he can't get up reliably on the couches. I thought about taking a stool or some kind of portable step stool system with me. But it's cumbersome with having to carry that around everywhere. I don't have my hands available. I just didn't want to do that. So we kind of have figured out ways to be in positions and kind of navigate and put him and place him in such certain positions with people that it's still safe for everybody for them to interact and have him be comfortable as well. And I think also for Bulldog, they overheat so easily. So I'm always walking around with a bandana that I can soak down and get him cooled off or a water bottle and a collapsible water bowl just so that every couple of 
minutes if he needs a water break he needs a water break but i think being able to work inside of facilities where climate control and temperature control has really made it a positive experience for him he's just that happy go lucky guy and i think he'll just happily do whatever is asked of him and i just try to make sure that i keep it within the boundaries of what he's comfortable with physically and emotionally Awesome. Well, Sumi, is there anything else that you wanted to share while you're here? Yeah, I kind of wanted to know if people had different experiences. Like, I guess my question for you would be with your experiences with what you do, because you do animal assisted therapy, correct? So it's like play therapy. That's what we're working towards. Yeah, we're not there yet. Yeah. Okay. So almost. (laughs) So how would you suggest doing something like that with an animal like Bud? where he's kind of new. I mean, I'm always looking for new opportunities and new ways to hone in our skills because I feel like we do a lot of things right now that are broadly based. And I wanted to find something that we could really focus on that is his specialty and something that he would excel in. Yeah. Are you talking about in general or specifically within animal-assisted therapy? I think in general, but I'd love to hear about animal-assisted therapy too. Yeah, in general, I find that it's best to really pay attention to what he enjoys, like what his natural behaviors are and where he naturally excels and then kind of follow those threads until you find that special area where he just really lights up and can use his personality and his skills to really thrive, which is kind of big, but it's because every dog is different. If you are interested in animal-assisted therapy, there are therapists who work with volunteer dogs. So it's just a matter of getting connected with one who does that. There's a lot of different organizations that do. I don't know if ATD specifically connects with therapists. I know that Pet Partners does, but you can ask ATD. They may. I just don't know for sure. Pet Partners definitely talks about that like diamond model of connection where you have a therapy team come in in addition to the client and the therapist. And I know that they do that through AAAIP as well, but I don't know specifically through Alliance of Therapy Dogs, but I know ATD teams that do it. Oh, maybe okay. just ask that. Yeah. How you could get involved with therapists in your area or reach out to see if there's any animal-assisted therapy providers or professionals in your area and see if they are looking for more teams to work with. Yeah, that would be great. I think it's an amazing opportunity to be part of that kind of system where you can integrate into that and really, truly help someone alongside a professional to help them with whatever they need help with as far as therapy. So yeah, and teams do that all the time. We've talked to several teams on here. I know in the episode with Ricochet, we talked about it. And the episode with Nicole and Maggie, we talked about it. So there are definitely many volunteer teams who work with professionals to really helps their clients with their animals. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Well, it was really great talking to you and getting to know your story with Budge. If people want to find you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Best way is through our Instagram, which is just he's at Budge the Pudge (laughs) on Instagram. And he also has an email, which is therapybudge at gmail.com. So if anyone is interested in having us be involved in their organization we're happy to check it out awesome and that's in the denver area right that's correct that's in the denver area awesome all right well thank you so much i hope you two have a great day thank you you too sherry take care you too bye Bye.